Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 22nd of August 2012. For newcomers, you should always make use of the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. you find over a thousand audios for download for free and you can start piecing the system you're born into and piece it together for yourselves because it's a, an intense system which you think is reality and it never dawns on you that all of your reality, your opinions, your beliefs uh, even the changing uh, and the adaptations that you do yourself to the culture as it changes by design uh, is all done by specialists at the top. You're living in a controlled society and it's been that way for a long, long time. So make use of the website, as I say. You can also find transcripts for print up and all of them in English and you can go into Alan Watt Sentinel, sentinel.eu and get transcripts in other languages. And remember too, you're the audience that bring me to you. You can, you can buy the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. That keeps me going. I don't bring on advertisers as guests and sell other things. And, um, you can also donate as well. From the US to Canada, remember you can use personal checks or international postal money orders. You can also use PayPal or send cash. And across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram and PayPal. And remember too, as I say, straight donations are awfully, awfully welcome in these austere times. And what I do here is just link up the past to the present, the past being uh, those of the, the past of the big boys that designed the world system you're living in today. It just didn't develop by itself. It, didn't, it did not develop just a crisis either. The guys create crisis, mind you, at the top, and then use it to their advantage and actually say that themselves in so many articles. But we're, we're living in a planned society with a planned future. And uh, regardless of what you think of as the chaos that's going on in the world, it's, it's really all planned that way. Order out of chaos is the whole technique, and they bring out the order. They need conflict across the world to get changes. You can't get change unless you've got an opposing factor to the system you're already in. So you always have the dialectic going on for the planned changes. Same thing in the economical realm as well, because the big boys who form the main organization that runs the world, Royal Institute of International for International Affairs, and the Council on Foreign Relations, uh, these, are the, these are all international bankers who lent to nations. Still are at the top, too. So, as I say, all of the, the boys that work for them and who are members on the outer circle, I actually call it the outer circle, are your journalists, your top journalists and TV hosts and talk shows and so on on television. And uh, across the world, that is, because they're in every country. And they're bringing in their whole world order through economical warfare upon the public into austerity, into post-consumerism, post-democracy as well. And uh, that's all part of the planned changes that you're witnessing right right now. 
what you're seeing in Greece and other countries of this uh, this ongoing uh, flooding of it uh, of money borrowed money into Greece to keep it afloat is to happen across the whole world. It's already happening in Britain too, as they bring everybody down to an equal standard of poverty basically, and then the masters of the world will have everyone where exactly where they want them. It's designed that way, truly designed that way. But as I say, um, don't panic with the whole thing. I read an article yesterday, I read different things from Jax Elul, who is a philosopher and, or who was a philosopher and Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix and yesterday I was talking about uh, about basically mind control and propaganda uh, Jackson Law was an expert on all of this too and he put out very lucidly the whole techniques that they're used upon you daily by newscasters and other articles too I've read in the past talked about, uh, from the top that is, from intelligence agencies talked about the overload of information would actually stun people and make them immobile eventually because every day you're bombarded with nasty things that are supposed to be going to happen to you or are happening to you and um and really, the average person hasn't got anything they can do about it. Because out there, amongst all the millions and millions of people, no one's really organized enough to take anything on. And if you were so organized to do it, you understand you'd have to have the same amount of, of agencies working against the agencies, counter-propaganda, in other words, uh, to take them all on. So the average person feels overwhelmed by information, where, where most of the topics and the things that are happening are out of their hands completely out of the control, and you're not consulted on any of the things that are getting rammed down through different laws and so on. Because today you live under the power of the purse, that's what they call it at the top, economic laws and inflation and uh, taxes and so on. And you also, uh, the other laws too are all to do with law, uh, identification, uh, being authority as you step it all up and up and up into the totalitarian system, which really is already here. Right down to them actually telling you you're being watched and listened to. Everybody is uh, uh, 24 hours per day. And you have no privacy. Uh, this is the first time really in history that any government or governments have gone out publicly and says you have no privacy. And the trick now, of course, is to train people to accept that premise that you have no privacy. And to offset that, of course, to give you lots of entertainment and you can go scurrying the internet for all kinds of things and pass your lives away. But uh, that's, the, that's the trade-off you get for having no privacy, you see. Most folk will go along with that forever and they won't just pack it in and toss the computers out the window because they're now addicted to it, you see. And the young people especially are addicted to it because they've grown up and been trained from school. Uh, to go through metal detection devices at school, etc., and then from that straight into the society of IDing for everything and using the cashless society as well. And that's what they all carry cards, and that's all they use. I've seen them even in little stores pulling out their cards to pay for a, a pack of candy. Uh, they don't use cash at all, a lot of them, and they're always using their phone for everything. That is their ID at the moment. 
and it tracks them, traces them, and it also has all the, the, the friends on it so that they can be grouped into clusters as they call it at universities who, are, who deal with this for the, the boys at the top. And they find out why you have all these friends and what you have in common, if anything at all, etc., etc. Constant analysis of the population for perpetual control. And that's what you're living in today. But there's never really been an era like this, as I say. Jack Salal, as I say, he even mentioned different words, the importance of words and the power of words that used to really motivate people to do something. And words have lost their meaning. Even rape is losing its meaning in, in an age of massive promiscuity and, and pornography. When the people who watch the pornography um, are watching even simulated rape scenes, a lot of them, and it, it, that loses its meaning too. Whereas at one time, things that would happen would cause even members of parliament or politicians to step down in disgrace. doesn't happen today. doesn't happen. It's lost its meaning. And uh, that's how society is changed by the culture industry. Culture industry is so important for, 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 for changes that are planned. And it's worked so well. And here's an article today. It says, Secret Courts Proposals um, Compared to Super Injunctions. And it says that... Um, Opponents say the public, this is in Britain, will be prevented from learning about the UK government's involvement in human rights abuses such as the torture of Binyan, Mohammed, etc. The government's plan to establish a new generation of secret courts, a new generation of secret courts, has sparked fresh, fresh controversy after it emerged that the fact uh, that a hearing is to be held behind closed doors may itself be kept secret. So even the fact it's been, that it is secret will be kept secret. You see, during the House of Lords debates, it was disclosed that a government application for a court to sit in secret with the public media and even the claimants and their lawyer being excluded could itself remain completely secret under the proposals. Now, that's that's really at the end where you won't even find out that these secret courts are going on and have gone on and find anything out about them at all. During the House of Lords debates, it was disclosed that the government application for the court to sit in it. It says, um, it says, the admission drew immediate comparisons with so-called super injunctions, which not only prevent the media from publishing information said to be confidential or private, but also ban publication of the fact that the injunction exists. Like, everything is so secret, even the fact that the injunction exists. It's incredible. The secrecy proposals contain the government's justice and security bill. Allow government ministers, as politicians and so on, to apply for special courtroom measures known as closed material procedure whenever the government or its intelligence agencies are being sued in the UK courts. The ministers say the measures are needed to prevent intelligence material handed over by friendly governments being disclosed in open court. There's so much going on to do with spying on the public that they don't even want any of it to come out at all or the techniques that they're using, even though they've published a lot of them in the past. Many lawyers and human rights activists deny that such wide-ranging secrecy is necessary and point out that once the bill becomes law, the public will be prevented from learning about the UK's involvement in human rights abuses such as the torture of Binyan Mohammed and the decision to consign British citizens to Guantanamo and the existence of the last Labour government's secret torture policy. And the links are all here for all these articles, by the way, these, these terms I'm using. Lady Stowell of Beeston, <laughs> a government whip, I like the terms are here, you know it's sadomasochistic in the House of Lords, right, told peers, and there's a lot of that even with Prince Andrew recently, 
as it goes darker as uh, depots in LA. Anyway, as to whether the press should be notified at the point of application for a CMP, it may well be informed, but will not be informed if the issue is related to national security. Under the guise, you see, of national security, everything can be kept secret. Everything. Even the disposable, disposal of you, and your body, by the way, would be kept secret. If need be. I mean, this is way beyond anything that's ever been out in the so-called, so-called free world. And they're publishing it right in front of our eyes. Because most folk today can't tell the difference between fiction and non-fiction. And each person out there thinks, well, it could never happen to me. I'm okay. And when you don't have empathy for other people who it's happened to already, then believe me, you're fair game when they come for you. And this is to go on and on and on. As they just put into law all the stuff that they want to put into law to do nasty stuff that they used to talk about the KGB doing and other countries as well that were dictatorial. And now it's all, it's all legal, you see. As long as it's legal, it's not bad. You understand the, te- you understand the, the psychology involved here. It's legal. It can't be that bad. It's legal to do what they're doing. And as we go down the, the, the drain economically, and as I say, Australia has not been really bashed since uh, Giller took over because it was planned that way that she came in and did this at this time. Everything's planned. And, uh, of course, they're really getting hit hard by the full impact of free trade. The free trade is to go around the whole planet. This is like a Star Trek. Star Trek was all about, you know, the World Federation, which was a, a symbolic of the United Nations, you see. And any planet that wouldn't trade with them and... Uh, Etc. Was they were nasty people, so those who traded with them were okay, and they get a seat on the on the big government back on Earth. Well, uh, it's the same thing with free trade. The whole idea was to get a multicultural world society, free flow of of goods and labor, to across national boundaries and borders, and uh, and it was designed over a hundred years ago by the Royal Institute for International Affairs, that used to be called the Milner Group. So. Australia's been kind of shielded for a while from the effects of it, but now they're getting it full force. And here is the ex-Australian, um, I think he was the treasurer for the government. His, his name was Henry. Henry advises manufacturers to go offshore. Former Treasury Secretary Ken Henry told the AIG Forum the Australian dollar is unlikely to fall and match manufacturers should consider uh, offshoring to survive. So that's his, that's his advice for companies to move offshore to China, to cheap countries, to survive. And it's Australian manufacturers consider selling jobs offshore to keep their businesses viable in the so-called Asian century. That's the advice of former Secretary of the Treasury, Ken Henry. And while that might be political poison, Dr. Henry says it's the one way of dealing with the persistently high Australian dollar. They want to devalue it, basically. And it says here, Neil Richard reporter says, uh, Blundstone boots may not be the most fashionable. Well, this goes on and on and on. But um, what I'm saying is Australia is really getting hammered now, really hammered. And they're in shock. People are in shock. Now they've got carbon taxes to pay and everything else as well. And they're also getting the full impact of the privatization of the energy sector, just massively increasing uh, their costs and so on, as they have already done in Canada. They're doing it in the States and other countries, and Britain too. So they're getting hit all at once, and they're spinning. But now their top guys are saying to, if you want to survive, move your businesses offshore. So you know what's going to happen there in Australia. Now, what is Mospin? 
MOSPIN, it's called. It's an acronym for Missouri Statewide Police Intelligence Network. And it says, it's a secure web-enabled computerized intelligence sharing system that allows authorized local, state, and federal law enforcement personnel to make inquiries of or submission to a shared intelligence database. As part of these um, fusion centers that they have all across the U.S., and by the way, they have them in Canada too. In fact, they're interrelated on their data. MOSPIN is deployed in the Mid-States Organized Crime Information Center and the Regional Information Sharing Systems Network. Now, I'll put this article up plus the, the actual PDF from MOSPIN's own site, the, the, the Intelligence Services site. I'll put that up tonight too. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back talking about this MOSPIN, which is a fusion center for police intelligence agencies and so on. And it goes through how, does it, how it works, etc. You can search for anybody at all before an event can be entered. This is that this allows subjects to be entered only once if many events involve the same subject. And events can be viewed by event number, contributor, creator, criminal activity, and or date. They've got your social insurance number, all that stuff, all your data, and have instant access to all the stuff that you've put out on the net, including all your your emails and so on, and your tweets, etc. They have everything about you instantaneously. From multiple sources, it's instantaneously through supercomputers, of course. And uh, that's only one of the many, many fusion centers in this brave new world scenario. Another article, too, is just pure propaganda, again, from the, the, the propagandists that's the Council on Foreign Relations. Remember, pretty much all their members are in the intelligence agencies, and they're also in your government. They place them in your government, by the way. Carl Quigley admitted that. He was their historian. And they also give you presidents and prime ministers, have for a 100 years. But they also give you lots of journalists and so on. And you'll often find when you look through the Council on Foreign Relations on the website and the articles that they put out for you, they also have one of their other members and the main newspapers also with the same articles. They actually interchange them, in fact. And what they're talking about here is what will it take to secure Afghanistan? And when you read through it, basically, uh, Innovation Memorandum Number 23, it says basically that the U.S. is there to stay when you read through it. It's there to stay. So uh, here's another article too, to do with the poisoning of the public, which is happening all over the world with the GM food and so on. And some countries are even further ahead uh, I'm sure they're using these little test bases as, as they step up the pesticides and so on, because even Monsanto's pesticides are causing problems with uh, resistant weeds uh, that are mutating. And so they'll, they'll try even more powerful ones out in other little countries. First, little countries that don't have much of a say and don't get much news coverage at all. But study links kidney disease in Sri Lanka's farm belt to agrochemicals, it says. And this is quite an article. It says, new research on the high prevalence of kidney disease in Sri Lanka's farming areas mentions a possible link to heavy metals in the water associated with fertilizer and pesticide use. And the search on the, the high prevalence of kidney disease in Sri Lanka's farming areas mentions the link to, um, as I say, pesticides, heavy pesticides they're using for the GM foods. And it says uh, it links the high prevalence of chronic kidney disease. These are in young guys, by the way. You only have to work for a few years in the farming to come down with this. 
uh, the high prevalence of chronic kidney disease in Sri Lanka's agricultural production regions. And it says that uh, over the past two decades, dozens of studies have concluded or conducted on the large numbers of the kidney patients in Sri Lanka's uh, agro-rich north-central region. Uh, and it says, it says here, however, what none of has been conclusively identified as a clear cause. Well, they actually have that. And they, the World Health Organization is looking into it too. Now, they're standing back, which is unusual for the World Health Organization, unless they know what's really going on, which, as I say, is a big test, you see. The report states that the exposure to a combination of factors that are toxic to the kidneys rather than one single factor seems to be the cause of this kidney disease. And it says toxic factors identified up to now include nephrotoxic agrochemicals, that's the ones that attack their kidneys, and arsenic and cadmium. It says as many as 400,000 people in the north-central region may be suffering from the kidney disease. That's an awful lot of people in a small place. Said doctors uh, taking part in the release of the report, they added that in the past two decades as many as 22,000 may have died as a result. And that's not including the ones that are all sick, too. And it says, um, the reason for the spread is heavy metals in the water caused by unregulated use of fertilizer and pesticides. And this is um, a team of doctors who released the report. They said they'd handed the study over to the government last year and accused the authorities of failing to release it to the public and of failing to take action on the results. So that will definitely be some big test that's going on there before they find uh, some way to bring down the number of cases and then give us the same kind of pesticides, etc., to use here. Because after depopulation, is a big thing. Remember that, after all. Student loan debt trims social security payments for retirees. Much of the focus on the student loan debt crisis has been placed on new graduates, but according to a new report, the federal government has been honing in on another demographic of debtors, which are its retirees. The Debt Collection and Improvement Acts of 1996 granted the federal government authority to withhold a fraction of their social security payments if retirees owed defaulted debt to the government, including student loans. The Department of Education, which issues federal student loans, says it tries to work with debtors before garnishing their Social Security payments. Justin Hamilton, a spokesman for the federal agency, affirmed that accounts do not uh, go to collections until about two years of non-payment. Then, if there's still no payment after months of attempted collection, the loan heads uh, over to the Treasury Department, which administers the Social Security withholdings. It's when people aren't making any attempt whatsoever that they start heading down that road. So they, they interview, they just intervene and garnish your, your cash, basically. And it talks to how it's really increased and the gap has widened even further. As a number of retirees who've seen portions of the social security benefits withheld spiked from about 20,000 to now over 100,000 recently. The amount of withholding varies, but under the law, a minimum of $750 a month must go untouched. So they're really going for it now, too. And uh, it's so incredible because uh, education, of course, is not what you, you think it is. Uh, you think you're going to get trained for uh, some sort of profession or something uh, that helps you get through life. And folk for 30 years now have been taking degrees and things, and there's no jobs for them at all. And it's going to get worse, too. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. 
Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're back cutting through the matrix. Back to Australia again too. And uh, it says federal labor backbencher and government Steve Gibbons has called for fines for journalists who publish misleading or incorrect stories. Now that's quite the power for a government to have, eh? And it says that Gibbons, the member for Bendigo, told Parliament that people were losing faith in journalism and voiced concerns about the lack of accountability in the sector. He said recommendations from the Finkelstein Independent Review of the Media didn't go far enough and journalists should be fined for their errors. And you should read this Finkelstein report. I'll maybe put that up again and find it. Because this guy put a whole suite of stuff to do with the total censorship of all media. That's what it's about. Finds such as these for publishing blatant untruths. Well, you could do that with most of the media because they publish handouts. A lot of stuff that gets handouts from government or intelligence agencies. A lot of it is every day. Or temporary suspensions to the right of pub to publish or broadcast would lead to major improvement in the accuracy and fairness of our media, he said. He said he supported free speech, but inaccurate reports degraded public debate on issues of national significance. This is from their own branch, member two, of the Council on Foreign Relations, because Britain also had a branch there all these years. Still have, of course. They run it. They put in their prime ministers. And uh, and these are the guys also who put in the journalists and the top papers. They've been lying to the public for many, many years. They didn't tell them for all these years that they were going to eventually merge them under China. <laughs> or put them into a free trade block with China and New Zealand and a few other countries as well, with China as a dominant partner. So what are they talking about? See, all news is, is pretty well slanted. And what they're really getting at here is that independent people who don't belong to the big organization and, and publish out handouts from intelligence agencies, um, are going to, they're going to go after them. That's really what it's all about. But reality is like this. Reality is far different from what people think it is. They learn by osmosis. Uh, They learn by feeling. They feel things. They don't know things or understand things. They feel things. How do you feel about this story, that story, etc.? Here's an article here, for instance. It's in the right section called uh, Celebrity News Entertainment. And it's Prince Harry naked holding the crown jewels, as you say. Prince parting nudes with who knows if they're pickups or prostitutes they picked up in Las Vegas. And these guys don't, by the way, don't get the diseases that the rest of the people get. They're, they're actually cures at the top. And uh, there's actually preventative measures as well. They don't, uh, through inoculations, they really do work. But anyway, you, you'll see him romping about in a, a little orgy with other people. But it's entertainment, isn't it? Because no one is offended by this anymore. It's just normal thing. Stuff that they used to talk about the ancient Romans doing when they were going under as a, as a civilization is commonplace now for all the people at the top. And I've, I've mentioned before about uh, the countries that were on the list for extermination a long time ago, going far, as far back as John Stuart Mill, by the way, and repeated by other people. Uh, the Darwins, for instance, down through the years, and the different generations talked about having to get rid of certain peoples who didn't want to go into the future. Uh, they gave them trouble, in other words. Uh, Scotland was one of them. Uh, Irish were was another one, a group of people to be put away with. And of course, they've never, they've really hammered Scotland for many, many years. Scotland's never had, really had an independence, and it hasn't got independence now, in fact. It, you know, it's, it's pretense, it's half independence nonsense. But it's all nonsense, as I say. And it says, drug-related deaths rocketed to record levels in Scotland last year. And it says, the number of addicts dying from their habit rose 28% to 584. Heroin, the heroin substitute methadone is involved in more deaths than the drug itself. It's all prescribed by the governments to kill them off. 
the taxpayer is paying to kill off a good section of its own population. And the farmer loves it, the government's in bed with them, because these guys can't afford to buy their stuff either, you know, the methadone. So the taxpayer picks up the tab. And it says these figures represent 585 lives lost in communities across Scotland. Every, every one of these deaths is a tragedy, etc., etc. But uh, it says a large proportion is involving methadone. It would appear that the approach being taken to treatment uh, isn't working properly and fails to prevent addicts combining drugs into lethal cocktails. Well, that's really the agenda, just kill them all off, that's what it is. They used the Scots regiments, had lots and lots of nothing but regiments for well over 150 years, and they were the shock troops for England. They were always put in front um, at the battles, and, and they, they were a bit more aggressive than, than most people, and they were excellent shock troops, and it kept the thinned out the numbers as well for the ones to go back home. Then they couldn't breed that way, you see, they'd be dead. Things work out for the big boys, and a strategy it is strategy. Now, Egypt, in one article here, says that, that they signed a deal with the World Bank for $200 million loan project. You understand, these countries that once really uh, were Islamic uh, to an extent uh, didn't have central banks, and everybody who in this new world order must have a central bank, uh, privately owned, of course, by the same ones who, who own all the other central banks. This is a small group who owns all your central banking systems. And you have to start borrowing from the World Bank and the IMF, and then you're under their thumb. They've got you, and they can control you through various laws and, and so on, and economics, once they have that done. So Egypt, that pretended it was going to be free all the people, is now just an, another slave country like the rest, and a tiny minority from another country actually rule them. And then this next article, too, is from the BBC, where they're getting another loan, $4.8 billion loan from the visiting IMF chief. And it says... The request was made during talks in Cairo between President Mohamed Mursi and the IMF chief Christine Lagarde. And Ms. Lagarde said the IMF would respond quickly, while Prime Minister Hisham Kwandil said he hoped the deal could be finalised before the end of the year. So they're all bought and paid for now at the top in Egypt, and uh, they're, they're the same as if they're a country. They'll be in massive debt forever and ever. That's how you control every country. You own them. You own them. If you're the, if you're, uh, the debtor, you know, uh, we all know the Old Testament and everything else hasn't changed from then. So you're owned. This is, um, <laughs> here's an article that, again, that at one time would have stunned people and there'd been massive outrage about it. You don't get outraged today about anything really, you know. But it says, energy companies in Britain overcharged customers by 600 million pounds. Did you, it just runs through your head and off you like water, you know. And it says here that uh, the government believes companies have been profiting unfairly. That's how the government puts it, corruption. is profiting unfairly at the expense of the consumer by overloading the national grid with electricity. They're then able to claim unduly high compensation payments to switch their wind farms and the power plants off when the system becomes too full. So they get paid when they have to switch off. That's a great scam, this wind farm stuff. Official estimates suggest that some companies have been overclaiming for up to five years at a cost of up to £125 million per year, the equivalent of £25 for every household in Britain. Two of the Britain's biggest energy companies, Scottish Power, which isn't Scottish, and SSE, which supplies energy to six million homes, has been investigated for alleged abuses by Ofgem, uh, the regulator. 
uh, and bill payers in Britain have to bear these extra costs, regardless of who their energy supplier is. Well, there's your new world order, you see, internationalism, and anybody can own them. And uh, you're all slaves to it. The scale of alleged abuses comes after energy companies announced large profits at a time when households are struggling to pay bills. Uh, Charles Henry, the energy minister, is planning to ban such exploitative behaviour by the owners of wind farms and gas and coal plants after warnings from off-game that the compensation payments are rising out of control. Uh, new rules will go to con- consultation this autumn. See, they've got all these com- competition now. They say, well, wind farms and everything. So they, when they turn them off, they, got, they get millions a pounds just for turning the darn things off, claiming they're losing money. So the, the, the taxpayer pays it all. What a scam, eh? What a scam. But not bad when it only seems to be £25 each per year or so, you know. That's how you do things. You take little bits from, from each person no one notices for five years. Finland, of course, is, is preparing for the breakup of the catastrophic Eurozone, and it's just causing misery for millions. And... Uh, this is an attack on the faltering euro. Erika Tomoja says that the other countries were planning for a collapse. And the senior politician warned that there was only a limited amount of time that rich smaller countries such as Finland could continue paying for profligate southern neighbours. They're all bailing out, supposedly bailing out into this big black hole of Europe or Greece, uh, these countries. And of course, we, we never get a, a list of, of where the money goes or what it's doing or anything else. It's just more money, more money, more money. And, of course, these countries, a lot of countries are borrowing money to give, uh, to be thrown into this black hole. What a fantastic scam for bankers, eh? And in a stinging personal attack on the ECB boss, Mario Draghi, he said he did not trust the clique of leaders pushing for fiscal union. Well, I'm glad someone's got a bit of common sense there, because um, these guys are all bankers. When you start trusting international bankers who have an agenda... According to Carl Quigley, of course, he said that eventually these central banks would help run the world under the Bank for International Settlements in, in Switzerland. And that's where it is. They've got it. They've got it all. They run the world. It says that the incendiary comments will stroke tensions between other Eurozone leaders who will meet in October to consider Greece's finances. Well, you wait and see because, as I say, it's all arranged this way. Things are going to plan. They really are going to plan. Now, we've heard about this Marine veteran who's called Brandon Robb, who's sentenced to 30 days in a psyche ward over Facebook posts. And it says, um, the former Marine who was detained in connection with Facebook posts critical of the government is being held in a psychiatric ward. Peter Back of the Richmond Times-Dispatch reports. So I'm currently in John Randolph in the psychiatric ward being held against my will, Robb said. He's 26-year-old. In a telephone interview with the Times, it says they were concerned about me calling for the rest of government officials. Well, calling for the rest of government officials, now they're calling See, they're calling that a, a treasonable act. You see, it doesn't say that here, but that's what they're calling it. I've read other articles from government. And it accused the government of lying about 9-11 and spoke of starting a revolution. Lawyers from the Rutherford Institute represented Brandon Robb during the three-hour hearing to date at the John Randolph Medical Center and released a statement saying Robb has been sentenced to up to 30 days further confinement in the VA psych ward after government officials again pointed to Robb's Facebook posts as a sole reason for their concern uh, and for his continued incarceration. Now, you've got to understand uh, that... Um, and quickly talked and others talked about this too. The Rees Commission came out with this as well. You've got to read that. Uh, that eventually the Soviet system 
would would blend in with the Western system. And they wouldn't call it Soviet anymore, by the way. And we've already adopted a lot of those the Soviet systems it's in our countries now, even your school systems. School to work is part of it, and lots of other things are part of it too. But in the Soviet Union, if you complained and said something was wrong with a communist policy, any policy of communism, you were classified as mentally ill. And you'd have and one of the diagnoses was inflexibility of opinion. And in other words, you had to be mad to criticize what they kept telling you was the greatest system in the world. Does it sound familiar? And that's what they're doing now in the West, you see. So it says, according to Rob's mother, authorities from the FBI, Secret Service, and Chesterfield County PD came to their door on Thursday evening, questioned Rob about his Facebook post, then handcuffed him and placed him in a Chesterfield PD squad car before taking him to John Randolph Psychiatric Hospital in Hopewell, Virginia. So right off the bat, you see that there's no, no charges or anything. You're straight off into a psyche ward because you, you complain about the best system in the world. It sounds familiar, as I say, you know. Both the FBI and Secret Services, Rob is not arrested or charged. But the Rutherford Institute statement points out that if the police have put handcuffs on you and you've been held against your will, that qualifies as an arrest. Well, of course it does, but that's exactly how they did it in the Soviet Union. And of course, when asked why Rob had been placed in a psychiatric ward, the FBI Richmond spokeswoman, that's a public relations, which is propaganda person, told us that the FBI had nothing to do with that and that the FBI typically doesn't make determinations such as that. We went out to interview him because of complaints that our office had received about people coming across his post and perceiving them as threatening. So our office, along with Chesterfield County Police Department, on Thursday. Now they should show they should show the reports of that. Do you understand how easy it is to say we've had reports from people? Who? Which people? They, they can just confabulate that, make it up, and uh, that's enough to get you into the psyche ward. Since when we left him, uh, we had not arrested him, we had not placed our hands on him, or who put the handcuffs on. We did not detain him, and we did not charge him. Secret Service spokesman Brian Leary said the Secret Service assisted the FBI with the interview. And so the Chesterfield PD, who had previously said the situation was a FBI matter, and we were just there to assist them, released a statement, uh, this statement before. So the FBI admitted previously that uh, they were there and that the, the cops were there to assist them. Now they're, they're bending it backwards and forwards. How can you get a truthful from any of these official organizations when they're blatant liars? How can you do it? Do you understand what kind of system you're living in? And if you do, you know, don't, don't crash down. I know because you just all say, what can I do about it? Well, email support for the guy for, for a start. You might get picked up too because you email support and say this is this is wrong or unjust or whatever. And then they'll put you in a psyche wing as they did in the Soviet Union. Because, that's, because you're not under what you think of as America or, the, or Canada or Britain or anywhere else nowadays. You're under a totalitarian regime. And the signs are everywhere. But most folk will go on with it and adapt to it. And they know that too. And lots of folk are still having fun and don't want to know about the bad things that are happening to other people. That's how life is. Anyway, it says, um, this article here is on West Nile virus. And it, says, it claims its 27th victim as judge declares an epidemic and a public emergency in Dallas. 
And so what they want you to do now is not to spray just Dallas, but there's articles where they want to spray pretty well the whole of the United States, supposedly, because they claim that people are coming down with the West Nile virus. It's odd, too, because there's conflicting reports about if they even identified this virus at all through the natural screening processes that they use to, to detect them. It really hasn't been isolated. So, but anyway, it doesn't matter. They're calling it a virus, and they want to spray everybody across the, the U.S. with uh, pretty nasty stuff. And they give you always, always nasty, nasty uh, reasons for for doing it. Cases of people come down with it and had terrible things happen to them. But I wonder if it really is this at all. But it says an Illinois man has been killed by the West Nile virus, sparking fears a deadly disease is spreading and serving a present uh, as president of Lombard Village, Mueller was described by his family as an amazing dad, blah, blah, blah. He comes the 27th victim to be killed by the mosquito-borne virus in the U.S. of 694 cases, the sharpest spike in case numbers since 2004. And it says it's baffling experts. Well, is that true or not? We don't know. We don't know. Is there something else they want to do to the public? Is it really the West Nile? We don't know. And you can't know any more today. You can't unless you have all the data that governments and all the departments at the top have. And even then, it's often not high enough because, you see, you've got super government now. Like the super government's already spraying the skies with chemtrails, have been since 1998 consistently. And your politicians aren't allowed even to get in on the knowledge of that. Back with more after this. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix, and we'll go to Sean from New York City. Are you there, Sean? Yes, hello? Yes, go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about the Nile virus. Yeah. Yeah, um, so far yesterday around, around this time, uh, I had this, this, uh, this, this rain was just going around my neighborhood, and I saw these cars patrolling in front of the truck while there's, uh, the truck is spraying out this so-called white spray and I got so angry because I, I knew this this whatever they spraying is bad. I got so angry because I had to go to my family uh my family member and I had to walk and I had to walk through this uh this spray. I had to I had to literally cover my mouth with a cloth just to um to not take it so much of the chemical. And I really got so angry because I had to really uh change my, my dog's uh water and food bowl because I did not want him to consume this uh the chemicals, it's just sure. yep. the food that I gave, which is in the water I gave, which is just a waste. Uh, yeah. Eat it anymore. Mhm. Now it's disgusting. It's disgusting, but they also want to spray you from aircraft down too, as well. So not only in, in, in there, it's various cities across the whole U.S. There, in today's paper, they want to start spraying nationwide, and. Um, uh, what can you do to protect yourself against this? I mean, it's, it's, it's just, they don't even tell you what chemicals they're using here. Yeah. So yeah, what, what you, it's yeah. just horrible. Yeah, and what's the long-term effect to you? And, and what does it really do to you in the long term as well? Uh, they won't tell you any of that as well. So, But that's the system we live in now. All these decisions are from on high, and we just simply put up with it because we're told very, very little. It's minimal. 
in fact, that we're told. But, uh, yeah, obviously this stuff is, is pretty, pretty toxic and, uh, and it's not good for you, obviously, as well. Never mind all the other wildlife out there, yeah. Yeah. What can you do? Yeah, I just, that's all I want to talk about, Alan. I just I really appreciate your information yeah. you give out and take care. And you too, take care of yourself. And it's Ryan from Ontario there. You still there, Ryan? Hello? Hear me? Yes. Okay. I was wondering, uh, you mentioned before, like, uh, when you came to the United States or, or Canada to take a look around, those other houses were kind of like temporary looking. Yeah. Uh, do you think it's gonna, they're gonna have a problem with, uh, sorting out the materials of these houses when they, when they want to take down these urban sprawls? Uh, could you repeat the last part again? Well, sorry. Uh, like, are they capable of, like, handling all the materials from these empty sprawls? Like, are they going to be just going to bury them or are they going to separate all the materials? Is that, like, a problem for them? I think so, yeah. Uh, I, I know that some, um, I've never ever watched programs from Canada, probably broadcasting. They used to show you how they took down whole towns in northern Ontario when they had uh, served a purpose. Some of them were towns that supplied electricity and thousands of folk would live there. And they'd actually show you uh, them taking, demolishing everything. Uh, everything is built in, in Canada as temporary. Same in the U.S. with power lines above your, your the, the, you know, most, in most places too. Everything is just taken down so darn quickly. Everything's demolished, bulldozed, buried, and they can turn a, a whole big town into uh, forest land in no time at all, within a matter of months. And back, go back the next year and there's trees growing. It's just astonishing how they can take everything down uh, so quickly. And they will do that as they depopulate. And they're already doing it in the rural areas. And if you get the threats of West Nile virus too, they'll say, well, we're not getting sprayed in the rural areas. We better move into the cities where they're spraying or we'll get the disease. There's all these tricks being played now too to get us into the overcrowded cities for the big takedown. And there's no doubt about that. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night, may your God or your gods go with you.